Sister Clogston, for blessing us this morning. And if you'll turn with me, let's read from James chapter 5, the fifth chapter of James, beginning to read verse 16 through verses 17 and 18. John, or the James 5, 16 through 18. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. I underlined in my Bible the latter part of verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A single individual that will fervently and effectually petition God before his throne can avail much. One single man, and then he illustrates that truth with one man's name, the man Elijah, a man subject to like passions as we are, and yet he prayed. This Old Testament prophet is not as brilliant as some as far as the vocal prophets go. He wrote no book. He's credited with no specific vision. He preached no great sermons that are recorded. He left no long-range predictions concerning the future. The longest recorded words in public that we have in Scripture are a hundred words. He has but one public prayer that consumes only 63 words. And yet a man that left a tremendous impact upon his generation and his nation. He was a man of prayer. A man subject to like passions as we are, and yet he prayed. And James gives us that very succinct evaluation of the man and his ministry. And we, I believe, can receive some practical lessons from the experience and from the scripture record of this man, the history of Israel, A.D., ten centuries before Jesus, Conditions still exist very similar centuries after Jesus. The need for a man of prayer and men of prayer is still very real, very powerful. And I want you to turn back to the Old Testament setting and we'll look at it together from time to time. It's in 1 Kings chapter 16 and several chapters following. There are three people that are prime characters that fill the stage at the same time as our prophet does. 
And I believe that they represent distinct classes of religious people, types of religious people that existed then and still exist today. One was a man by the name of Obadiah, a steward in the king's household. And yet he became very apathetic, a very apathetic believer, became a compromising believer. Ahab the king, who had good background and good training, and he could talk the language of the Orthodox Jew, and he did very often, but was powerless against the forces of idolatry that he became married to. Jezebel, a very glamorous and scheming pagan, the father of a he, uh, the daughter of a heathen king, Ethelbaal, the high priest of the temple of Tyre. And after the wedding that existed between the king and Jezebel, they began to erect temples to the gods of Baal and offer sacrifice to the gods of Baal. Only 80 years since Solomon had built his magnificent temple and prayed the prayer of dedication that filled that place with the Shekinah glory of the Lord, so much so that the priest could not stand to minister. The glory of God had filled the place, and the fire of God had come down to consume the sacrifice that was upon the altar. No doubt many people were still living who had gone to Jerusalem annually for the feast days. We read further on in these chapters that there was at least 7,000 as a remnant of people who had, who had at least not compromised and bowed their knee to Baal. Considering the total number of people in Israel at that time, it was a very small remnant by proportion. But they were silent and they were anonymous in their faith and in their belief, so much so that, that Elijah, sitting under the juniper tree later, felt he was the only one that really was standing for God and prayed that God might take his life. And the Lord revealed to him at that point that there was at least 7,000 who had maintained their faith. But they were silent somewhere underground, somewhere anonymously still maintaining their faith in God. The Bible says that this prophet Elijah, a man like we are, prayed. He prayed. What did he ask for? He prayed that it would not rain. I'm not going to ask how many of you have prayed the same prayer. He did not pray, God, don't let it rain because we have an outside activity today. We've got a, a picnic plan. We've got something to do outside. And, and if it's it's all right with you, Lord, would you control the elements in our favor so that we would enjoy a nice day? The Bible says he prayed that it would not rain, and for 42 months it did not rain upon the earth. Three years and six months, the, the, the heavens were shut up and did not rain. I think we need to know what this man of God was praying for. What was he asking? I believe he knew the scripture that God had given to Moses, Deuteronomy, 
the 11th chapter, verse 13 through 17, says this, If you will hearken diligently unto my commandments, I will give you the rain, that thou mayest gather thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. Return aside and serve other gods and worship them, and the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heavens that it give no rain. And if it give no rain, then the fields would give no produce, and they would have no harvest. What he was praying was specifically, God, don't bless my country. God, cut off the source of blessing for Israel. God, I, I have a petition that I offer to you that it would not rain. And rain being a symbol of the outpouring of the blessing of God, which he said he would give us the former rain and the latter rain, that symbol of blessing even of the Holy Spirit's outpouring upon us. And when God's people served and obeyed the Lord, they were blessed in this physical manifestation of rain so that their grounds were saturated with needed moisture and the crops produced abundantly. But what this man of God was praying for specifically was that God would send the chastening rod and so the heavens would be sealed up and God would not perform his gracious blessing upon the people of his day. There are tremendous ramifications to this man who prayed and the petition that he asked for, and God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer. In the first verse of chapter 17 of 1 Kings, he went before the king and said, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Elijah knew that he was going to be involved in this answer. And God gave him specific instructions as to what to do since it was not going to rain. The blessing of God, the outpouring of needed rain or blessing would not be coming. So the word of the Lord came to him in the very next verse and said, Go camp by the brook Cherith, for I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So that's where Elijah went, and God faithfully and miraculously sustained him there. The Bible says that soon the brook dried up, and then the word of the Lord came to him again and said, I want you to arise and go to Zarephath, for I have commissioned a widow woman there to feed you. And by now the Bible says there was a sore famine in the land. What was he asking? He was praying, God... I desire that this people so bound and fettered by idolatry. He was saying, God, I can't ask you to bless this thing. What I'm asking you is to bring this people back to yourself. And so in the process, he was asking God to withhold his blessing. Withhold the rain, Lord. Withhold your blessing and let that be a corrective measure to bring this people back to the Lord. A devastating answer. 
The Bible says it happened for many days. I wonder what the reaction of the widow woman might have been if she had known he had been the man who prayed. Because according to the scripture record, it says that she had only one meal left in the cupboard and she was going to fix that for herself and for her son. And then they had nothing left. They had no hope beyond that meal. And the prophet who had been instrumental in bringing this drought to pass had nerve enough to ask her if she would give him that last meal which she did and thank God she did praise the Lord for the Bible says the cruise of oil didn't fail and the meal in the barrel didn't fail until the Lord sent rain again pays to be generous doesn't it pays to give to God But I wonder what her reaction might have been had she known. I know what Ahab's reaction was. Later on, when Elijah was brought to stand before the king, he said, you're the man who's troubling Israel. Why have you troubled Israel? Why have you brought all of this trouble and all of this problem upon us? And Elijah looked right back into the face of Ahab and said, I have not troubled Israel, but you have troubled Israel inasmuch as you have turned away from the living God and established the idols and the altars to Baal. You and your household and your family are to blame for the trouble in Israel and for the drought that happened in the land, the sore famine that had happened. This man of God prayed. An effectual and fervent prayer. God answered his prayer. How badly do we want America to come back to God? If we're going to Washington to pray, God bless America, I don't think he can answer that prayer. I came home late last night from Teen Challenge graduation. And wanting to stay abreast of what was happening in the world, I turned the channel of the television and saw a CBS special. How many watched that special on homosexuality? In the city of San Francisco, there is such a monstrous group of organized gays that they determine who will and who will not be elected as mayor of that city. There are those that were candidates for that office who had made anti-gay statements. But when it comes down to the week of election, they knew that they could not win without the support of this people. And the cameramen followed them as they went to the house of the most prominent gay leader and promised a public apology which they gave to them and promised to put their men in office when they were elected. Marched with them down the street and had them on their platform and solicited their support. And I believe we need to recognize that the sin and corruption that exists in America today cannot receive the blessing of God. What we need is for for God to bring America back to himself and back to the altar. I don't think we can glibly pray, God bless America. Elijah couldn't pray, God bless my people and bless Israel. 
He said, God shut the heavens so that my people will be brought back to the place of the altar where they can be righteous once again before the Lord, where sin can be cleansed, and when then the blessing of God can flow freely upon a people that's been made clean by the blood of the cross. My heart ached as I saw that woman there standing on the platform, and they they talked to the gaze after and said, how are you going to enforce that? They said, that's no problem. We have the power. When our country is run by this type of people, how can we pray, God bless America? We need to get back to the Lord. Back to God. The old preacher, I hope nobody prays what Elijah prayed then you really don't want revival. We'll continue on as we have business as usual. But if we really want revival and we really want God to minister in our hearts, whatever it takes, we're willing. If it means camping out by the brook, if it means eating pancakes for two and a half years, you can get mighty sick of pancakes in two and a half years. But thank God he was eating. That's what that little widow woman had. Just meal and oil. Just something to make hotcakes. And hotcakes for breakfast. Hotcakes for lunch. Hotcakes for supper. Scrambled for breakfast. Toasted for lunch, leftovers for supper. But he was eating. Why did he do it? He wanted to see a people who God can bless. He said, God, don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. So Finally, he stands before the king and he challenges them. The call to Carmel comes and he said, we'll have a time where the people can decide what God they want to serve, a day of decision. So thousands of them gathered there at the top of that hill, 450 prophets of Baal built an altar, laid a sacrifice on the altar, and began to pray from early in the morning. Oh, Baal, hear us. They prayed that way and increased in volume until noon, and they continued to pray throughout the afternoon and growing in emotion and frenzy. The Bible says, leaping on the altar and cutting themselves until the blood would flow with knives and lances. Some of the saddest words are recorded in the Word of God. There was not an answer. There was neither voice, nor any answer, nor anyone regarding. And at the time of the evening sacrifice, there hadn't been an evening sacrifice for quite some time. I want you to see that Elijah was bringing the nation of Israel not just to some kind of spiritual Olympics, some kind of spiritual showdown, 
He was bringing Israel to the place of the altar. He was bringing them to a place of atonement. He was bringing them to the place of the cross. And he wanted to show them the folly of all of their religious exercises in worshiping Baal. There was no reality in that. There was no power in that. There was no voice in Baal. There was no reality in him. And so he was bringing them to the place of the cross. And the Bible says that he deliberately, according to the scripture, built the altar out of 12 stones, representative of each of the tribes of Israel. He laid the wood in in order and he took the sacrifice and laid it upon the wood. And then he asked those that were there to take four barrels of water and dump it on the sacrifice. And once they had done that, he said, do it again. And when they had done it, he said, do it again. How many realize you don't have to help God do his thing? There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Now, if it had been me, I would have probably taken some charcoal lighter or something from the backyard and kind of saturated the wood a little bit, but not Elijah. He said, soak it down. And then he prayed, Lord, let this people know who you are. And fire from heaven came down and consumed the sacrifice. Hallelujah. Consumed the wood, the stone, licked up the water in the trench and the dust around the altar. And the people cried out, The Lord, He is God. Hallelujah. The Lord, He is God. He brought them to the point of evening sacrifice. He brought them to the altar. Had it not been that the sacrifice was on that altar, the fire of heaven would have consumed every sinner on that mountain. But the fire consumed the sacrifice. I want you to know this morning that the fires of God's judgment, except for the cross, would consume us, every one of us. And except for the fact that the offering was on the altar, it consumed the sacrifice. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for taking my place. He is the sacrifice. He took God's judgment for my sin. The fire consumed that burnt offering in my place. But I want you to see that he was not just bringing about some spiritual contest but he was bringing them back to the altar hallelujah he was bringing the people of God back to the Lord their God praise the Lord and there is no other place except Calvary we need still to preach Jesus Christ crucified The prescription for what ails America is the cross of Jesus Christ and the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ. I don't think it will do us any good to pray for his blessing. We need to pray that we'll be able successfully to bring people to the cross of Jesus Christ. 
And if adverse circumstances are necessary to bring that about, then we pray, God, whatever it takes, we want our people to be a righteous people. For righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We recognize our need of revival. And the prayer that Elijah prayed, we need to pray too. Back to the cross where the fire came, consumed the sacrifice, and where the people said with one voice, the Lord is God. Then he wasn't through. He went up to the top of the mountain and he knelt with his head between his knees and he prayed, God, let it rain. Let it rain, Lord. God, pour out your spirit, pour out your blessing. And he, he, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed until finally there was the cloud that appeared as evidence of God's answer. And he said to Ahab, you better get home. I hear the sound, hallelujah, of abundance of rain. And God sent the answer of divine flow and blessing upon the people of Israel there had not been an altar there had not been a sacrifice there had not been fire on the altar for years the priests and the Levites had just kind of blended in with the rest of the people there were a thousand altars where fire and smoke was offering incense to Baal but oh that day praise the Lord praise God the people of the Lord were brought to God's altar and the fire consumed the sacrifice on God's altar. And the Lord was free to bless his people again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Elijah was a man of prayer. Man of like passions as we are. And he prayed, God, don't bless Israel. God, close the heavens. Don't let it rain until this people comes back to you. Then he prayed, Lord, abundance of rain. Lord, abundance of rain. Father, I pray this morning that the word of the Lord would be to us a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Somewhere in this scripture, Lord, we fit. Perhaps we're like Obadiah. Serving in the king's house. Not really fully agreeing with his lifestyle or what's going on, but never saying a word about it. Maybe like the king himself, we know the language and orthodoxy comes out of our mouth, but there's no power. Maybe like the remnant of the 7,000 that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal, silent and anonymous, existing somewhere without really making their presence known and felt in a nation filled with sin, corruption, and idolatry. Or Lord, like Elijah, as you sought for a man and found him in Gilead. A man who would pray. 
a man who would pray, a man who could see into the future and valued and treasured the blessing of the Lord. Somewhere we fit into that same picture. I pray you'll help us to be a man of prayer. normal man of like passion but who would pray and who would pray again hallelujah 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 Praise God. Praise God. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to sing the chorus with me, Burdens are lifted at Calvary. There is a solution. There is an answer. And that's the cross. Of Jesus burdens are lifted at Calvary the very same day that there was restoration of the fire of God on his altar there was rain upon the land the drought ended it can end for you today this morning if you can get to Calvary you can receive the blessing of God. It's just that simple. It's just that practical. If we can get to the cross, the burdens will be lifted. Praise God. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus. And the cross is the answer. Praise God. This altar is open for you for anyone, for any reason, would like to pray. Feel free to step out from where you are and just kneel here. You know, I believe that things that happen nationally happen physically and individually as well. When our lives turn away from God and turn to idolatry, God can't bless us the way he wants to. And maybe you'd just like to come back and ignite the fire of the altar. You'd like to renew the sacrifice. You'd like to come back to the cross. And the blessing of God will flow from that very moment. I guarantee it.